you are in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in you. The Bible clearly teaches that there are, there are two dominions, the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God, and you can only be in one or the other. There's no choice number three. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is completely, has a completely different way of operating than the kingdom of the world does. The kingdom of darkness does. It operates completely different. And unfortunately, too many believers, and we're not talking about unbelievers, we're talking about church folk, do not understand how the kingdom works. They don't understand how God's kingdom works. If that's the kingdom we live in, we should understand how it works. We have been translated out of, released from the dominion of darkness, its power, authority, and corruption. We've been delivered from sin and its destruction and bondage and sickness. We have been delivered. We have been released out of darkness and translated into the kingdom. This is a completed work. Do you know that? This is a completed work. This is not something that we're trying to do. Right? A lot of charismatics like to do the spiritual warfare. Oh, I'm fighting the kingdom of darkness. I'm fighting my way out of the kingdom of darkness. No. You've been translated. You are not in the kingdom of darkness. When we are born again, the Spirit translates us by the grace of God, and we are set free in God's kingdom. The issue is not that we are under the control of the devil or his power. The issue is that too many believers don't know how to operate in God's kingdom. You've been translated into the kingdom of God, but your operating system, the way that you think and the way that you live your life, is still the way of that old kingdom. And we wonder why it's not working. See, if you don't know how the kingdom works, you're, it's not going to have much effect in your life. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about where there is two kingdoms. You know, when you go to heaven, there isn't two kingdoms. There isn't two dominions. There's just the kingdom of God. Right? And you can trip over his blessings in heaven. But here... There is that divide. See, just like when I was trans, translated out of the kingdom of PC, I was translated out of the kingdom of PC into the kingdom of Mac. You guys don't know what I'm saying, right? I, I, I used to have a, a PC operating system, but then I got translated into the kingdom of Apple, Right? And Apple works different than PC. I couldn't do the same thing on my Apple, the, the things the same way on my Apple as I did on my PC. And, I, and, I, and, I, and once I learned the operating system of Apple, I was operating in, in a new kingdom. My, my, my life didn't crash all the time. I didn't get viruses. It, 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 was, it was amazing. Hey. 
The gospel of the kingdom of God was the message that Jesus proclaimed. And we need to understand that kingdom. We need to understand how it operates. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus resurrected from the dead. He appeared to his disciples, and he spent 40 days just talking about the kingdom of God. That would have been some great church services to be in. The whole, the whole, he, he resurrected from the dead, and what was the most important thing he wanted to tell them about? Boys, there's a new kingdom that has come, and this is how it works. This is how it works. How many of you would have liked to have been there? I would have loved to have been there. This is, this is the message they spent 40 days doing. And should, should we not be doing the same? Should we not be putting a lot of emphasis on what is the kingdom and how does the kingdom operate and how do we live in it? How do we live in it? Like the disciples in the early church, we need to reorientate ourselves from a law mentality. See, they thought that when Jesus came, that Israel was the kingdom. And the way to get into the kingdom was through the law. But that's not the kingdom that Jesus came. See, we, we talked about this in prayer this morning a little bit, that what Israel failed to forget was that God chose Israel so that all the families of the earth might be blessed through the seed of Abraham. It wasn't about the kingdom of Israel. It was about birthing the kingdom of God in the earth. The kingdom of God in the earth. See, this is something different. They thought that you got into the kingdom through the law, but Jesus brought something new. He introduced something different, something that was alive, not dead in dead works and written on stone. But he brought the living stone of his flesh. He brought life to, the, to God, something that wasn't legalistic, but it was relational. It was relational, something life-giving, a new covenant birthed in Jesus Christ. See, he, even the way that they prayed was totally different. You know, when they were, they were so legalistic that they weren't even allowed to write the, the name of God without first taking, as they're writing the scriptures, if they got to the, the name of God, they would have to take their pen and, their, and the ink and burn it. They'd have to take all their clothes off and burn it. They'd have to do a ceremonial washing. Then they could have to get a new pen and new ink, and then they'd write the name of God. And then they'd take that pen and that ink and those clothes and burn it all, wash themselves again, come back, get a new pen and, a, and ink, and start writing again. That's, that's the law. That's how they live. But Jesus showed up, and the disciples said, teach us to pray. 
And what does he say? He says, pray like this. Our Abba, who art in heaven. You know it as our Father, who, who art in heaven. But do you know the, the best translation to the word, the, the word that Jesus used, Abba, is Daddy? Jesus is ushered in a totally different kingdom. A totally different kingdom. A new covenant. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we know that repenting doesn't mean crying your eyes out and begging for forgiveness. Repent means change your mind. Jesus was saying, change your mind about how you see God. There's a new thing coming. It's time to repent. It's trying, time to change your direction. It's time to change the way that you see God. You need to repent because the kingdom is here. Jesus' message was introducing into the world uh, the message of the kingdom, that it was at hand and it was being manifest in the world. And we must repent. We need to change our mind about the way that we see God and the way that God sees us. Jesus is bringing something new, um, different from a works mentality or a law mentality, something completely different. Jesus not only taught the kingdom, but he demonstrated the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness among the people. Not only did Jesus preach the gospel of the kingdom, but he demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is at hand, and he demonstrates the kingdom. He heals the sick. He casts out devils, sets people free, because that's the kingdom. These are the characteristics of the kingdom. These are the benefits of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom is one of healing, of joy, prosperity, of peace. Jesus went about teaching and preaching and healing all kinds of sickness. That's good news. Now you know why they call it the gospel. Jesus, and, then, and then Jesus taught his disciples to do likewise. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, it says, these 12, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Not only, not only did Jesus teach and demonstrate the message of the kingdom, but he told his disciples to do likewise. And after his resurrection, he commanded them to preach and demonstrate the kingdom throughout the entire world. 
in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who, um, he who has believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs shall accompany those who have believed. What These signs are accompanying those that have believed the gospel of the kingdom. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They shall pick up serpents and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not only did Jesus preach the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom, not only did he teach his disciples to, to, the, to preach the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom, but he says that those that believe the message of the kingdom shall do likewise. Wow. Verse, 16, verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus had, when, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that followed. The word of what? The word of the kingdom. Jesus confirms his word. The message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is the message that Jesus taught and preached. This is the message that his disciples taught This is and, this, and preached, and this is our standard. This is our standard. So why, why, isn't the, why doesn't the church look like this? Why don't we look like this? I mean, some actually teach that miracles passed away with the apostles. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? That means that part of the kingdom of God has passed away. There was a pastor, I heard this great illustration. There was a, there was, there was a pastor that they were going to build a brand new sanctuary, and they hired professional builders to do it. But just like all pastors, they get into stuff they shouldn't get into. And he kept on bugging the builder. He kept on bugging the builder. I, you know, I'd like to help. What can I do? What can I do? And he kept on bugging him. And, you know, the builder, you know, the pastor's writing the check, so he's got he's to put up with him a little bit. But he's thinking, he's just going to screw it up. And he probably will. Well, here's the story. He, 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 the builder finally said, look, we, see all those two-by-fours over there? We need 100 of those two-by-fours. We need 100 of those two-by-fours cut to eight foot in length. And the pastor says, yes, I can finally do something, contribute something to this building project. And, and uh, so that night, he, he got his tape measure out and measured out eight foot on a two-by-four, marked it with his pencil, and, and cut it. And then he put his um, tape measure to the side, took another two-by-four, took the one that he cut, put on there, and marked that one. And he cut that one, and he put the one over the side, and then the one that he cut, he marked the next one. And then the one that he cut, he marked the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Well, that was okay if you're only cutting two or three two-by-fours, but when you're cutting 100, by the time he got to the end of them, they were almost nine foot longer than, it, 
they're almost nine foot instead of eight foot because that little eighth inch mark extra each time. See, the problem is he didn't go back to the original standard. And the church is going by a standard that their grandparents taught them. The church is going by a standard that they heard from their mom and dad. The church is going by a standard from church tradition and doctrines. Instead of going back to the standard of Jesus Christ and what he taught, what he preached, and what he said that we should be doing. Jesus is the standard. The early church is the standard. And we need to go back to that standard. No wonder we're so far off. The entrance into the kingdom. We're gonna, you guys already know this, but we're going to go through it. That how, how did Jesus say that we enter into the kingdom? In John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said that there is a spiritual entrance, and you must be born again. See, natural birth gets us into the dominion of darkness. It gets us into the dominion of darkness through Adam. He brought that kingdom to earth. So you're naturally born into the kingdom of darkness. But the spiritual birth, the spiritual birth births you, gets you into the kingdom of God through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. So the spiritual birth gets you into the kingdom of God and all its potential. And I say potential because there's a lot of people that aren't experiencing the full benefits of the kingdom. It's true potential because they're not aware of how the kingdom works. How the kingdom works. That's why Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to change our mind the way that we think, the way that we operate, the way that we believe. The kingdom is no respecter of persons. See, I hear this from a lot of people. Well, God just doesn't love me as much as he loves so-and-so. Or God loves the pastor a lot more than he loves me. No, the kingdom of God is no respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of person. It doesn't matter your intelligence. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're male. It doesn't matter if you're female. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, polka dot. It doesn't matter. God is no respecter of persons. The kingdom of God is no respecter of persons. And the word of God is no respecter of the persons. Everyone in the kingdom is exactly the same and has the ability to operate in the same potential. Look what... Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Truly as I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Born of woman, born of the flesh, born in the kingdom, in the dominion of darkness, of all those that were born of the flesh, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, um, Gideon, 
The list goes on and on. Samuel, David, of all those, Jesus says that, there, that John the Baptist was greater than them all. But, but the least of those. So he's saying, if you have been in the kingdom of God for 30 seconds, you are greater than all the Old Testament prophets that went before you. We don't, we don't believe that, though. So you don't believe that. You don't believe what Jesus said. Why? Because they were born after the flesh. You were born. They, they, could, they couldn't be born again. You have been born again. You have been born again. A newborn Christian has mu as much kingdom potential as someone that has been born again for 60 years. They just might not be aware of how to walk in it. We are to grow up into Christ in the full measure of the new, of the new creation. See, an infant, an infant has all the muscles in it that a full adult has. Do you know that? A brand new baby has, has every single muscle that an adult has. But they haven't exercised those muscles. They haven't worked those muscles. They haven't grown in those muscles to be able to do what an adult can do. See, Arnold Schwarzenegger has all the same muscles I do. He just works them a little different. He works them a little harder, right? He, he, he's doing something with those muscles that I'm not doing. Do you know that you have all the spiritual potential that every single person that was born into the kingdom of God has? It's just that some choose to work it a little harder. Some choose to grow up in it a little bit. Some people, some choose to listen to, to the message instead of being on their phone on Sunday morning. And I know some of you are reading your Bible, but I'm just saying we get distracted about all the things of the world. A lot of Christians are infants in their souls. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. You're infants. And do you know that you can be spiritual and, and, and be infant in your, in your mind, in your thinking, in your emotions? We'll, 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 we'll go to uh, even Christian songs on the radio that that. Talk about all the troubles that they're facing. And that's true. and Because you can, you can identify with what's being said there. But that's not the truth. That might be your circumstance, but that's not the truth. And if you can get into the Word of God and see what God says about your circumstances, what you can see God is saying about what the truth of your circumstances are, then you'll see your circumstances change. If you're controlled by your emotions, you are a baby in the kingdom of God. And we live in a culture that is extremely controlled by their emotions. I feel this way, so it must be true. No. No, it doesn't matter how you feel. See, 
There's a lot of Christians that have been born in the kingdom, and some of them have been in the kingdom for years, and they're still messing their pants and sucking their thumbs. They should be able to feed themselves, but they still need someone else to feed them. They should be able to teach others, but they still are in need of one to teach them. Read the book of Corinthians, Hebrews. This is exactly what Paul is saying. So what does a mature Christian look like? What does a mature Christian look like? It's going to surprise you. They look an awful lot like a child. I told you that God's kingdom's upside down to the world's kingdom. Or God's kingdom's right side up. In Mark chapter 10, verse 15, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. We must become like a child. What does that mean? What does it mean to become like a child? What does it mean to receive the kingdom like a child? What is one of the greatest, what is one of the greatest characteristics of the relationship with a child and its parents? Trust. Trust. A child, a child is created to believe. A child trusts and depends. A child lives by every word their parents speak. Do you know that? Children are created to believe words. Children are created to believe the words of their parents. They are not created. They are not created to doubt those words. They have to learn to doubt. They have to learn not to trust. How? Through people being dishonest. That is why it's so important that parents speak truth to their children. And never sow fear into the child as a way to manipulate them and discipline them. We do this in religion all the time. I heard a story of someone that his parents said they can't, couldn't go to the movie theater. You can't go in the movie theater. There, there's all debauchery and bad things happen in the movie theater. Um, they're doing disgusting things. They're sinning in the, in the movie theater, and you can't go there. So what did the kid do? They, in the, when they got older, they snuck into a movie theater with other parents knowing and went to the movies. And what did they see? People watching a movie. They didn't see a bunch of sin. They didn't see a bunch of debauchery. They didn't see a bunch of people... Their religion uses fear to try to restrain people. You, that's the tool of the devil. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. It's so important, parents. It's so important. It's so important to speak truth to your children and never sow fear into your, chil- your children's life as a way to manipulate or to discipline them. And I'm going to step on some toes here. I think I'm safe. There's no kids up here. Santa Claus. Teaching the kids about Santa Claus. 
the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. All of these people that have God-like attributes. He watches you when you're sleeping. He knows if you've been naughty or if he knows you've been good. Now, don't get me wrong. I was raised on Santa Claus, and I'm not too warped. Not too. But we don't understand the power of our words. We don't understand that all these little things, that we, when we don't speak truth, allow your children to doubt your words. And if your children will start doubting the words of their parents, if they can't trust their parents, they're more apt not to be able to trust God's. I taught my kids about St. Nicholas. I taught them about St. Nicholas, that he, he, he was an awesome man of God, that he, that he, he gave, and there's even testimonies of him healing the sick. I taught them about St. Nicholas, but, I taught, but they also know that he's dead, and he's in heaven. I'm a lot general than I used to be. I, I was going to make a t-shirt, and it, and it was going to have Santa Claus on it, and it said, um, Santa's dead, Jesus lives, ho, ho, ho. Now listen, I love Christmas. Christmas is one of the greatest, greatest seasons of the, uh, 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 of the year. Where, where do people, for just a little bit of time, get their minds off themselves and start thinking of others? in a greater way than at Christmas time. And, and there's nothing wrong with remembering St. Nicholas, that he was a man of God and that he, he lived the gospel. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful on what we say to our children. We have to realize that our words, words matter. But this happens Children learn that their parents' words are not always truthful. They learn to doubt their words. Then words no longer have the same impact. We were watching a movie the other night, Tombstone, one of the greatest movies of all time. And, and uh, I was watching it with somebody that's never watched it. I won't call him out because you take away his man card. But, but they come... They, there's a shootout, and they come out of the saloon, and, and they shot him, and he goes, that man called me a liar. And he goes, he's, so he said out of his mouth, he shot him because he called him a liar? How far we've come. That's how important a man's word was during that time. That was one of the worst insults you could ever have is be called a liar. So when words no longer have the impact, now the issue of doubt comes in. Then they come into the relationship with God and they have the capacity to doubt the word of God. Our hearts have been contaminated with lies. Many of us have had have a hard time believing the word of God because of people that had influence in our life were untruthful. You have to receive the kingdom 
like a child, total dependence, total trust on the word of God. It's that simple. But we've made it complicated because people lie to us. They lie continually to us. They lie on the news. They lie on TV. They lie in politics. They lie in our education system. They lie in the sciences. They even lie behind the pulpit. Religion is one of the biggest liars. Lies are the environment in which we live. Is it any wonder that we have trouble entering into the kingdom of God with reckless abandon like a child? Is it any wonder why one of the big ten was, Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not bear false witness. The kingdom, in the kingdom, there is no lack. And I got to go. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added. Too many people think that, I don't know, when when they read this, all of a sudden they can't read correctly, and they think all these things will be taken away from you. If I become a Christian, I'm going to lose everything. No, things are going to get added to you. Things are going to start getting added to you. What does a kingdom consist of? What, what makes up a kingdom? The first thing is, is you have to have a king, right? If you have no king, you don't have no kingdom, right? And we have a king. His name is Jesus. He is the king of the kingdom of God. And then you have to have subjects, right? If you have a king, no subjects, there's no kingdom. Then you have to have rules or principles of how the kingdom functions. You understand that? That's what makes up a kingdom. You have a king, you have subjects, and you have principles. This is how the kingdom works. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the king and his righteousness, his rules, principles, how it functions, and all these things shall be added unto you. We enter the kingdom by grace, but we have to appropriate the principles of the kingdom by faith. And I'm going to be blunt here, because I don't have time not to. So everybody right now say, I love Pastor Chad. Okay. If your life or my life is one of lack, one of chronic lack and loss, then you are missing out on the kingdom. Something is out of order. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says that the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the, in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, right standing with God. Peace, we have peace with God and he is for you, not against you. 
joy. We have the joy of, of the Lord, and, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have the strength of the Holy Spirit. We have right standing. We have peace. We have joy. This is kingdom living. Jesus said that I have come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. If, you're, if this does not mirror your life, then you are not seeking the kingdom and its principles. If you were just offended, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. That, that would be a lie. I'm not sorry. But sometimes we just need a spiritual slap. If God slaps me as I prepare these messages... But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with all my heart to find out how the kingdom operates. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and watch all these things be added unto you. And that just doesn't happen overnight. Because we have a lot of unraveling to do in our minds. The way that we think. The way that we treat others. The way that we trust God. We got to learn to trust God. It's not going to happen overnight. But I promise you. If you start doing it, you're going to start seeing things added unto you. The kingdom of God is addition, not subtraction. Amen? The kingdom of God is within us. And I'm going to hurry. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. It says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. We are carriers of the kingdom. Say, I am a carrier of the kingdom. This is your identity. And I can't teach you this. You have to catch it. It has to be birthed. It has to come alive by faith within you. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Do you portray your life that way? Do you speak that way? Do you see yourself as an ambassador of God? Is this your attitude? Is this your mindset that everywhere you go, you are a carrier of the kingdom of God. It is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's not holding the kingdom back from you. Look at what it says here in Luke chapter 12, verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Everything you need is in the kingdom. Your healing is in the kingdom. The restoration of your family is in the kingdom. Your purpose is in the kingdom. Your provision is in the kingdom. Your identity is in the kingdom. Your destiny is in the kingdom. The reason people get frustrated with life is because they're, not, they're thinking outside of the kingdom. They are still thinking in the dominion of darkness. They are still thinking like the world thinks. But if we would get our minds on the kingdom 
That's where our provision is. That, it, it, and it, it's the Father's good pleasure. Good. I want you going to sleep tonight hearing Pastor Chad say, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <coughs> I was hard on my throat. But it's the king, it's God's good pleasure. It's his good pleasure to give it to you. God is better than you think. No matter how good you think God is, he's better than that. He's the goodest. You can't get any better than the goodest. I mean, I shared someone on Facebook this week about eternity. You know, God, God doesn't exist in eternity. Eternity exists in God. And, and we got to stop living for eternity and start living from the eternal one. There's a big difference there. And I, I, we got to go. Um, where are we? God's not holding anything back. So if God's not the one holding anything back, if there's lack, if, there, if there's something missing in any area of your life, it's a lack of understanding how the kingdom operates or a refusal to operate the way the kingdom works. Because some people know how the kingdom operates. And they refuse. They refuse to operate that way. I will not forgive. Ever hear that? I am still learning how the kingdom works myself. I haven't arrived. But thank God... Thank God I'm not where I used to be, right? I think we can all can say that, can't we? The kingdom is the manifestation of God's will on earth. In Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has the kingdom come? Yes, the kingdom has come. Where is it? It's within you. You guys are listening. This is good. Okay. <laughs> so for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, how does he bring that to pass? Through us, the body of Christ here in the earth. Maybe the reason the kingdom is not being manifested on earth is because the church is believing for the earth to go to hell in a handbasket. I was reading... This week, about something very interesting about when the church enter in, the late 60s, early 70s, a lot of books and a lot of teachings started coming out on end times. A lot of movies came out that scared everybody to death, right? That the mark of the beast, um, the antichrist, all this stuff. And... What's interesting is, is that the church actually, I, I, people, even to this day, you have remnants of it, of people saying, man, I don't know if I'd want to have kids in this day and age. Because it's just going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. Do you know what's interesting? Do you know what's interesting about all that teaching coming into the body of Christ during that time? Three years later, I believe it was 1973, Roe versus Wade was passed and the church did nothing about it. 
Could it, could it be, could it be that subconsciously we thought, well, maybe it's better for th those kids not to be born in the earth? You want Jesus to come back? Here's, here's a clear, clear verse about Jesus coming back. You don't have to have someone interpret it for you. It's as clear as it can be. That Jesus says that I am waiting for my enemies to be made my footstool. So it doesn't sound like Jesus is coming back for a beat up church. He's coming back to a victorious church. That's why I had four kids. Because I want God's kingdom to come in this earth. And they're going to come through our kids. Us teaching our kids. Leaving a legacy to our kids. And I'm telling you right now, the world, you, you can think the world's going to hell in the handbasket, but not in this community. We're in this community. The kingdom of God is in this community. Thy kingdom is coming into this community through us. Amen? Just think about that a little bit. So how do we understand the kingdom? See, Jesus taught the kingdom and taught the kingdom and how the kingdom, what the kingdom was like and how the kingdom operates. He taught it through parables, through parables. And here's a homework assignment for you. You don't know what to read in the Bible? Here's a great thing. There are 29 parables in the gospel that reveal the kingdom. 29 of them. We're going to go through them all. No, we're not going to go through them all. But the most important one, according to Jesus, was the parable of the sower. In Mark chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Hearken, behold, there went a sower out to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and, and the fowls came, the fowls of the air came and devoured it. Up oh, and, <clears throat> my goodness. And some fell on the stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and, yield, and it yielded no fruit. Other fell on the good ground, and it did yield fruit, and sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. And then he goes on in verse 13, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? So Jesus said that this parable is so key that you cannot understand the rest of his parables until you understand this one. And he says that the sower soweth the word. So what was the seed? The word of God. And these are they that on the wayside the, um, where the word was, is sown. But when they heard, Satan come immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. So where is the, sown, the seed, the word being sown? It's being sown in men's hearts. So these three different types of ground are three different types of people's hearts. You have to decide which ground you are. And these are likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they heard the word immediately received it with gladness and, and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the 
word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are, are they which were sown in the, throne, in the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulnesses of riches, and the lust for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. See, even when you have good ground that's receiving the word, there are still levels of fruitfulness. There's always a way more to grow in the word of God. Jesus actually taught 10 parables on the kingdom in one day is the most that he ever preached at one time. The parable of the sower, the parable of the tares among the wheat, the parable of the light under the bushel, the parable of the seed, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the treasure in the field, the parable of the pearl of great price, the parable of the net full of fish, the parable of the scribe. These are all Jesus' teaching kingdom principles, how the kingdom works. We will close with one last parable. We're done. That Jesus taught about the kingdom. And this parable right here is the key to have success and how to overcome the storms of life. How many of you would like to have success? And how many of you would like to have to overcome any storm of life? Two of you. Good. Okay. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, everyone, therefore, that hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded on the rock. Don't answer this. And I think I've shared this before, but don't answer this. What is the rock? Don't answer. What is the rock? If you are thinking the rock is Jesus, you are wrong. Shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Doing the word of God, hearing and doing the word of God is building your house upon the rock. Look what it goes on to say. And everyone that hears these words of mine, that's the person that's sitting next to you, and does, does them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and smote it upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. The storms came to both. The storms came to both. 
both to the wise man and both to the foolish man. But only it only affected the foolish man. Why? Because God loved the wise men more? No. God loved them both. He loved them both the same. That's why he sent them both his word. Both of them heard the word. So why did one get crushed by the storm and the other one come through without any issues? Came through victoriously. Why? Because one mixed faith with the word and did it while the other merely heard and ignored it. The foolish man is sitting in church, hearing the word, and goes out and ignores them. Hearing, but not doing. Hearing, but not doing. And the storm comes, the rain descends, the floods came, and the wind blew, and the house fell, and he comes back to church and says, God must be testing me. Please pray for me. I don't know why God is doing to this me, doing this to me. Did God send the storm? No, God didn't send the storm. He sent his word. He sent his word. What are you doing with his word? Statistically, today, here at Karis, we have wise people and we have foolish people. Those that are hearing only and those that are hearing and doing the word. The kingdom of God. has the same potential in it for all. But there are doers of the word and there are hearers only. There are wise and there are foolish. Which one will you be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that you sent the word to us. We understand that we are in, in, we are in a word, world that has been divided. It's been divided between light and darkness, death and life, the kingdom of, of, of the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have translated us effortlessly out of the kingdom of darkness and you put us right into the kingdom of God. And we just ask that through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God that you would strengthen us spiritually and mentally, that we would renew our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus and we would receive the rich revelation of the word of God, that we would start being doers of the word and not hearers only, and that the kingdom of God would be manifest in our presence, that you would continually be adding unto us as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. We seek the king here, King Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that all that provision is done by grace, and we just receive it by walking in faith. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this church, that, this, that your kingdom has come and your will will be done on Vassar and the surrounding areas as we become doers of the word. We thank you, we praise you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. If anybody needs prayer, we can, we're here to pray for you. We're here to see uh, God's kingdom come in your life.
Um, if you have never entered into the kingdom of God, it's simple. It's just by embracing Jesus as your Savior. If you want to talk about that or want more information on that, come and talk to me. I'd love to, to share, share the kingdom with you. Other than that, have an awesome, awesome week. Um, if you're going to stick around, we're going to be decorating and uh, eating. So be blessed, guys. Love you.